This is the Wild Health Podcast. I'm Wendy John. Artificial intelligence in medical decision-making. I don't know if you're as big a geek as I am, but it makes me think of Star Trek Voyager. You might recall that the only qualified physician in Captain Janeway's crew was the emergency holographic doctor, a brilliant example of artificial intelligence in medicine, but whose bedside manner sometimes lacked nuance. Now, Star Trek Voyager was set... 350 odd years in the future. But already now, of course, different AI applications are used in medicine. Contexts such as test result analysis, diagnoses, and even to guide treatment decisions. But how do patients feel about AI? Well, according to new research from Macquarie University, not everyone is comfortable with outsourcing decisions about their healthcare to a machine. Associate Professor Paul Formosa and a team at the Department of Philosophy at Macquarie Uni recently explored this question. They surveyed more than 470 people about different healthcare scenarios involving AI or human decision makers. They asked participants whether they felt they were treated in a dignified and respectful way for a variety of medical scenarios. And the scenarios covered a broad spectrum of situations from allocation of organ donation or allocation of scarce ventilators, right through to diagnosis of skin cancers, macular degeneration, and diagnosis of even anxiety. They compared patients' reactions. Specifically, did the patient feel that they had been treated respectfully and with dignity when treated by AI versus when being treated by a human? Here's Professor Formosa speaking with me about what he found most interesting about this research and what designers and developers can do about it. A couple of things were interesting about the study. So one thing I think that really stood out for me was the ambiguous relationship people have to data. So in one sense, people talked quite a bit about the importance of decisions being based on data and they didn't like it if they felt decisions were based on wrong or irrelevant data. Mm. So they want decisions based on data, but they also felt that they didn't like being reduced to a number. They didn't like being reduced to mere data. And this popped up differently in both the diagnostic and the allocation examples. So in the diagnostic cases, people felt that being asked about their symptoms was itself kind of dignifying. They felt that uh, it took by taking their symptoms seriously, they were taking who they were as a person seriously. And so they felt that like their symptoms could have been reduced to data to some extent. They themselves weren't being reduced to data because they were being taken seriously as a person. In the case of the allocation decisions, though, it was people already felt these were uh, fairly kind of formulaic decisions, fairly algorithmic decisions, and that um, they're the sort of decisions that they there may not have been any interaction involved. And so they already felt these were quite dehumanising and they felt they were being treated as a number by both humans and AI. So that people, in both cases, people talk about you know, feeling that we're treated as a mean number mm. and that itself is quite dehumanising. So there is this kind of dual aspect really to people's relationship with, with data in these contexts. They, they want decisions based on data and they don't like it when their data is missing that's relevant, but they don't like themselves to be reduced only or merely to data. What can a designer or a developer take from your research? It's important that people feel they're not dehumanised and support people feel they're not disrespected um, because that will have bad implications for them, they may obviously feel bad, it could have bad implications for their well-being, but also they may be perhaps less likely to 
follow treatments or are less likely to take a diagnosis seriously if they feel that way. Now, systems, of course, are, are built on data. And so you know, clearly that's important. But we also need to think about what data is in our systems and what data isn't in our systems, what I suppose what format that data is, what, what it captures and what it doesn't capture, and also to think about how the broader context in which these systems are being used. So they are they being used in ways that promote good healthcare interactions between patients and healthcare providers? Are they something that is just automatically relied on and kind of by healthcare providers can interfere with that relationship? What sort of nuance, I suppose, is occurring in the broader context in which these systems are, are being used? And you know, just to be aware that people don't like to be reduced simply to a number. And so that we need to keep that in mind when we're using these systems that, of course, are all about reducing things to numbers. What's the next piece of research for you? Well, there's lots of follow-up questions here that we, we have. So one, one is about accuracy. We found that people preferred our human to AI decision-makers. But what happens if the AI is much better than humans, for example? So if whatever AI has much higher accuracy at making diagnosis than humans, will people still prefer the human in that case? or And, and how much better does the AI have to be? We, we don't know. We'd like to, to look at that. Another one is around interaction. We think interaction is really important. You know, if there's the right sort of interaction involved, will people be happy if an AI is used as long as there's still human interaction? And also in our study, we didn't actually have people interacting with an AI chatbot, for example. Uh, It was just reading about a scenario. So we also want to maybe use some AI avatars where people can actually interact with an artificial agent and see if uh, interacting with an AI agent will reduce or increase feelings of uh, dehumanisation. How important is this field of research? Look, I think it's really important for a few reasons. As I said, look, AI... It's just being used for more and more decisions in more and more areas. And in particular in healthcare, there's a big claim about all the benefits it could bring, better patient for outcomes, better research, cheaper, more cost-efficient, and so on. But it's only going to realise those goals if people are going to accept AI, the use of AI in healthcare and other contexts. And they're not going to accept it if they feel completely dehumanised and disrespected by these systems. So we really need to undertake research like this to sort of better understand how people are going to experience the greater use of AI in their life. And look, maybe in time people will just get more and more used to it and they, they won't care. But at the moment, people do care. And so we do need to think about this carefully. Thank you so much, Professor Formosa, for joining us today. Great, thanks very much. That was Professor Paul Formosa from Macquarie University. I'm Wendy John. Thanks for joining me on the Wild Health Podcast. Now, early bird tickets are on sale now for Wild Health's next event, which will focus on the need for digital health reform to support transformation and new models of care. With the federal government full of ideas and energy leading the way, have the planets finally aligned for Australia to push through on key health reforms underpinned by interoperability? You can see the full agenda and speakers and register to join us in person by going to wildhealth.net.com. and clicking on summits at the top. Hope to see you there October 18 in Melbourne. And just a heads up, I personally rate Star Trek Voyager as the finest of all Star Trek series and will be happy to debate the matter with you in person at the summit October 18 in Melbourne. See you there.